Welcome to Emotion Well, EFR's podcast about all things related to emotional wellness. I'm Johanna Dunlevy, the wellness manager for Employee and Family Resources, also known as EFR, and I'm the host of our podcast. As an FYI, EFR is located in Des Moines, Iowa, and we are Iowa's first employee assistance program and provide a variety of services you can learn more about at www.efr.org. Hi, Barb. Good morning. I'm here with Barb Rank, and we are going to be talking about the Enneagram. Yes. Welcome to Emotion Well. Let us know a little bit about yourself and your relationship to EFR so our listeners know why I chose you to be our guest expert on this topic. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love I love this topic. Uh, but I also love EFR and what it stands for, which is why I am one of their contracted trainers. So through EFR, you can get professional development for your employees. There's a whole course catalog. And there are some of those courses that I personally teach because I uh, have either been impacted by them or these are the ones that really have made a difference in the organizations that I have trained them in. Excellent. And you did a team building workshop for the business development team, which is mm-hmm. the team I'm on, about Gosh, it seems like it was last week, but it was about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, in advance of the session, we all took the Enneagram. Is it called a quiz? What is it? An assessment? assessment. Okay. Yep. So we took the Enneagram assessment and that information you reviewed, and then you use that to kind of help us um, have a conversation around what you call our shine spots and our blind spots, Mm -hmm. which I love, um, just those different labels. And so we'll talk a little bit about shine spots and blind spots. But introduce our guests to this topic of the Enneagram and what Enneagram is, because I think a lot of people are familiar with uh, Myers-Briggs, you know, and I don't hear about that as much. And now I'm hearing a lot about Enneagrams. And so tell us about Enneagram, Mm -hmm. uh, what it means, the word itself means, and how people can use that information, again, to move them forward in personal life, professional life? <laughs> That's a big question. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build all of that into what we talk about today. Uh, but I'm going to start with my own personal introduction and, and really then why I love the Enneagram so yeah. much. So I'll back up to I am a native Iowan. I'm a north central farm girl, north central Iowan farm girl. Uh, that is my my background, my roots. I graduated from Mason City, so okay. started small town, ended up big town, you know. <laughs> um, but that's important because your formative years are where you pick up a lot of your um, life lifetime tendencies. And I would say what I picked up from there is my work ethic. Mm-hmm. So always woke up, always wanted to do hard work, always ready to pitch in and do the next thing. So that's where I, I gathered that. Um, always loved being outdoors. So again, looking at my journey as I got into corporate. I, I do love corporate, but I was inside so much. I mm-hmm. think I was missing that element and just didn't know it. But yeah. anyway, so um, the other thing that I love, I just am a learner. And so I love teaching and educating and I love words. And so I've, I thought I was supposed to be an English teacher. Went to you and I got my degree in secondary English. And then I like to say ended up in prison for a year. <laughs> and that is because I could not get a job right away. Uh, but I needed to pay rent. <laughs> and so the state of Missouri was hiring te- teachers to come in and get inmates their GEDs. They had passed a law saying that had to happen. And so I taught in a Missouri prison, level four out of five. Five is death row. Oh, okay. And it was a male facility. Um, and through that experience, I learned more than they did, I, I believe, because I still can't teach geometry to this day. <laughs> Um, so you weren't just teaching English because oh, no. they were earning GEDs, GEDs, so it was everything. Everything. Okay. And I would have to 
learn the assignment along with them. And but the the culture, the environment was very different. The timelines are very different because yeah. they've got some time on their hands. Yeah. So, uh, through that, I kind of learned actually about the pace of life mm-hmm. because as fast paced and as furiously as we you know productive people love to work. And kind of going back to the farm, there's still the pace of the corn. Mm-hmm. And you can plant the seed, but don't expect it to grow on your timeline. Right. It's going to grow on its timeline. And when you you might want to harvest it in May, mm-hmm. good luck. You cannot harvest it until it's ready. So that also became very important to me in terms of how people develop. Yeah, People don't develop at the same pace as technology and, and some of our initiatives that we want to push sure. forward. And that's what I learned in, in the prison, too. They had had to slow down long enough to get really clear on some things. And there were some people that had more freedom in prison <laughs> than some of the people I sat next to in church. Oh, wow. Just because of their mindset. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting to me, but I'm 22, 24, you know, during that time. And now um, moving into, I want to work with adults. I want to teach people. What do I do? So I, I landed in corporate America, came back to Iowa. Uh, ended up in two organizations here in the Des Moines area for 23 years doing the people-type skills. So communication, conflict resolution. Uh, But what I really like to teach on is self-awareness. How do you think about how you think? And once you can unlock your specific codes, you empower yourself to make the right decisions for you. Mm -hmm. And here's where my personal story comes into play because I'm teaching this, I'm learning this, and I'm a constant learner, self-developer. So I'm going to all the conferences and I'm learning all the new tools. I worked at a Fortune 200 company, so I did get to take uh, Myers-Briggs and Hogan and DISC and you name it, I took it. And what I really found out was how awesome I was, right? They'll always tell you, this is where you're really great. Where you really shine. Yeah, and I'm like, well, yeah, and that's where I get my energy and that's why this job is, Frustrating me because I'm not getting to use all my great strengths. Uh-huh. So about four years ago, I was exactly where I thought I'd ever want to be on paper. I had the great job, great company. I could have stayed there for 20 years. I've got the family. I've got, I mean, stereotypically white t- picket fence. Yeah. Um, I'm involved in the community. I'm giving back. And I'm just completely dead. And I didn't know who to talk to because I'm like, I'm not broken on paper. It's okay. But why, I, why am I lost? Mm-hmm. And what I know how to do is work. So what I did was I doubled down and just kept working harder. Yeah. And now I'm exhausted and now I'm eating carbs and sugar. And now it's just a cycle of I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not, exercise, I'm not being outside at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's wrong. And so at this point, my journey accidentally pivoted into becoming a life coach. I thought I was going to take this program and bring it back to my current company, uh, create a culture of coaching within my area that I supported, and again, just work my butt off to make that happen, and then someone would see that and maybe I'd get promoted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I love doing that. I love helping people grow, but I didn't know why I was doing it and that I was putting so much effort into this. In the life coaching program, a couple of things happened. I realized that these were the tools that I was missing. Corporate had helped me become very professional and very productive, but I personally was no longer a person. Mm-hmm. I had lost that ability to direct my own life. And then secondly, that's where I found the Enneagram. 
And even hearing the word, I was like, that's weird. I don't, what are you saying? <laughs> so what year is this? Uh, like Four years ago. Four years ago. Okay, so 20... So 2018. See, I don't like numbers. Yeah. <laughs> 18. Uh, so 2018. 2018, okay. yep. So one answer to your question, Enneagram. Ennea is Greek for nine. Gram is Greek for model. Okay. Or So it's a nine-pointed model. So I still wasn't sold on it. Then I looked at the some of the pictures. If you look online, it looks like a pentagram. And I was like, I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> that looks weird. Yeah. So I could see it why. It looks a little new age. It looks, you know, spirituality. Uh-huh. But it was being taught in this environment that I was like, well, I trust these people. Why would they lead me astray? Right. I don't know. And this was the model that finally helped me see, okay, here's where you're great and this is what you look like in your shine spot mm-hmm. and then it actually very clearly unfortunately because it hurts a little bit like this is you and your blind spot yeah and the blind spot is defined as you overusing your greatest strengths mm-hmm. to a point where you can no longer see perspectives right you have narrowed your vision you're in tunnel vision you are in a rut there is a lot of heavy um, cortisol energy coming from that place and you just keep doing the same things Mm -hmm. over and over and over again because you don't know what else to do I'm like yes (laughs) yeah but it showed me clearly according to your type here's where you're gonna go and this is what I love about this model is it also said you've been trying to fix this using all these other tools that aren't you and they, they won't work for you which was also empowering because I kept getting advice on try this and try that I'm like that doesn't work for me Mm And then I found my path forward using this type, and I realized this is powerful for personal and professional development. Because it literally tells you, you are going to go here in stress. You're not necessarily going to see it right away, but everyone else will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you truly want to bring your best, your healthiest self, you're going to have to work at overcoming some of these, I call them the Trojan horses built into our source code. Yeah. And no other test had given me that level of data. Because the Myers-Briggs and the DISC and the Hogan, you think they focus primarily on the places you shine mm-hmm. versus, and by the way, mm-hmm. shining too much in those areas yes. creates, you know. Blindness. Blindness. Yeah, I love that. So there's nine different types. Mm-hmm. And do you want to just, I know it, it would take a long time to go through each type in great detail, but could you just give a yes. brief overview of each type for our listeners? Yep, so I mentioned it's a nine-typed model, and the main, I guess the core of the model is each type's uh, core motivation, like what they're really getting out of bed in the morning and really wanting in the world, along with their biggest core fear. Okay. So they're running toward one, they're running away from the other one. (laughs) So if we start with type ones, they are known as the improvers, the reformers, their motivation is to make things better. Okay. That includes themselves. That includes the world. That includes their relationships, which you know may or may not be welcome. <laughs> but they can't help it. They just see that the world can be better. Uh-huh. They want it to be good. They want to be good. Mm-hmm. Their biggest fear is being seen as bad or wrong or inappropriate. And so picture a type that is being driven by these two internal conflicts. Mm -hmm. I want to be good and be right, and I don't ever want to be bad or wrong, which is impossible. 
That would be exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. But that's where it's built into each of these types. This is our own internal struggle. Mm-hmm. So if we can work on ourselves first, like everything else figures itself out. <laughs> so type twos. Um, beautifully nurturing type. It's one of the three most empathetic of all the types. They just want to serve. They just want to help others. That's their natural way of wanting to interact with the world. At the same time, they don't want to be disliked. They don't want to be unloved. And they don't want to disappoint people. So kind of a people pleaser would be their blind spot? Blind spot, right. So my shine spot is when I show up because I'm giving of my authentic self, you're just like, man, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. But when they're in an environment where that is not appreciated or valued or they don't know how to help, uh, that triggers their fear. Uh-oh, I'm not adding, I'm not being liked or wanted, or how can I help? And so they they double down, mm-hmm. and they're going to help too much and create dependencies. Um, I was in a situation once where we were all very independent workers, and I think we had a two on the team. And she'd come in and be like, can I get your uh, paper copies off the printer? And we're like, no, we, we can do that ourselves. That's okay. I could just tell she didn't know where she fit in yeah. um, because her her core motivation was to help people yeah so so again great thing and then you just have to look at with where you're at where can I turn it up and where can I turn it down Mm -hmm. and still be okay I wonder if two struggle with self-care because they're so focused on other people yes they just needs you hear I coach a lot of twos and I will hear them say isn't that selfish isn't that selfish so we kind of pull that apart well what does that mean to you what do you need? And that's the biggest question a two has. They don't know. Mm-hmm. A lot of us don't know. But I'd say two threes and fours really struggle with that question. So threes, and this is the type I most associate with, um, threes love achievement. They love that drive to um, set something that you can accomplish and then just work toward that that thing. So very forward-moving that's where I look back. I'm like, yep, that, that's where my self-development comes in, the, just that drive. Um, where threes are different from ones, ones also like to improve things, but they want to do it with excellence. And threes are like, just get it done. Okay. <laughs> so threes, are they value efficiency over excellence. Gotcha. And that's where threes and ones are going to struggle. Uh, threes want to be, they want to contribute and add value. So how they help is to show up and say, I've got this thing. I'm a master in this area. If this is what you need, I want to add value. Mm-hmm. Twos are more general. At the same time, threes have a big imposter syndrome complex. Like, is this good enough yet? Is this good enough yet? Uh, did I add value or not? And so they fear failure. So they're constantly running from their own version of, did I fail? Did I fail? So it kind of shows up as self-doubt. Oh, yep. The imposter does syndrome. show up as, okay. Yep. Um, they also turn to anger when they get uh, immediately triggered, whereas twos might go to pleasing. Threes are going to get a little bold, bulldozer. And I just have to pause here and give a personal example from this morning. <laughs> so I value efficiency, I value productivity, and I show up for this podcast, and then there's I had to park on the street. Mm-hmm. Normally you bring a bunch of quarters, you put them in the meter, it's fine. Nope, nope. Can't be that easy anymore. Oh, because of the new parking. Because of the new parking. Yeah. All right. But I had planned my entire morning, coffee at 830, get here at 15 minutes early, put the quarters in the thing, be here 10 minutes. And I kind of was cutting it close with the coffee date and I get here and now I've realized, oh no, I have to figure out this whole new parking thing. Not only can I not just put quarters in, 
I have to scan an app and then do a QR code, which takes me to a website, which does not take me to the app. I download the app. Now I go back to the QR code. It still doesn't take me to the app. The app's just telling me, hi, you're registered. have to put in all of my license. I'm getting more and more and more. (laughs) I'm starting to use words that I will not repeat on the podcast. (laughs) But I'm like, oh, I'm in my stress state because I'm afraid that if I don't get there on time, they're going to see me as not... um, professional right because I should have showed up early now I might this might not work well I might not show up as my authentic you know, on and on and on long story short I could not figure out the app I would rather pay a parking ticket mm. than figure out that stupid thing and so I probably have a ticket when I get downstairs and that's okay for me <laughs> well you were here five minutes early oh thank you and I, this probably reveals a little bit about me before you got here and, and I was on PTO yesterday before you got here I thought I should have sent her a reminder. <laughs> I like to help people. I, and so my threeness was like, some people like me to come and say, hey, I'm see you tomorrow, and some people don't care. I, uh-huh. I don't know which one she is. So I didn't. And yeah. then I was like, I hope she knows I'm coming. <laughs> but ultimately, I, I trust that you were. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I trust that we we're going to figure it out. That's something I've had to work on as a person is mm-hmm. like letting go of the con- mm-hmm. need to control a lot of different yeah. situations in my life. Yes. Barb is an adult. Mm-hmm. She got the invitation. Mm-hmm. If she She's had a, a conflict, she should tell yeah. me. And yeah. she would tell me. So, yeah. Yes. So, I hope you don't have a parking ticket. I, I hope so, too. But I'll pay it. But you'll pay I it. Will... And, and that's, that's more peaceful for you yes. than finagling with that app and being late. And beating myself up. Yeah. For like, why didn't you do that? I'm like, mm, wasted energy. I'm, yeah. I, I'm not for next time. I'm going to have the app for next time. I'm going to have the QR code. I'm still going to bring quarters. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm still going to hope that this gets easier, but it's okay. <laughs> All right, so that was three. Um, type four, their biggest motivation is to stand out uh, in a very unique way. They don't want to be one of 50 colors in the crayon box. They want to be periwinkle, periwinkle pewter, <laughs> <laughs> which I appreciate, right? So I used to say kind of stereotypically that fours probably have purple hair and a lot of tattoos, but anymore that's everybody. So <laughs> uh, fours just have this way of seeing the world from their emotionally profound landscape and they want to bring beauty to the world in a way that only they can do it. So you see a lot of four musicians, poets, artists, photographers, not that any type can't be that, but fours, it just comes from this Mm -hmm. really essence part of who they are. And people look at it and they go, I don't know how you did that. And they're like, it's just who I am. So what fours fear most is disconnection from important relationships, uh, even to go as far as I feel like I'm being abandoned if I don't have those central relationships in my life. So they're going to want to find people that really understand them and and maintain and keep those relationships close. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's their shine spots and blind spots. Fives are the almost exact opposite. Fives value knowledge, fives value data, objectivity, And most of all, fives want to be self-sufficient. So picture a two that's running around, hey, how can I help and how can I support you? And a five's like, I got it. I'm good. And what if they're on the same team? What if they are the only two people on a team working on a project? This is where we need to understand each other at a deeper level. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's okay for them to want to help. And fives, it's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Twos, it's okay if they don't need help. And you can go use that energy somewhere else and still be okay. Yeah. Because you still have it. It's yeah. not going to go away. Um, I've actually uh, had fives that I know that are couples, like married. Oh, and I yeah. think it's because opposites attract. Right? Mm-hmm. You're drawn to that part of you that you're like, you've got this thing that I don't have. Um, 
But fives bring the balance. They do tend to take the emotion out of things because their brains are just constantly connecting information in a way that a lot of other types just don't think that way. At the same time, fives don't have a lot of energy. Uh, the way that I was taught it, they can only recharge to 80%, even though the other types can get to 100. So as such, they're saying, I need to have an agenda to my day. I need to know how much conversation I'm going to have today, how much time I can go back and research, because that gives me energy. Uh, being by myself gives me energy. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to make me go to a social that night, I'm going to need a lot of recharge time after that. And so if they don't get that, they, they tend to isolate. And Is that because their brains are just working constantly? They do. They love to be in their brains. That's what gives them energy. Mm -hmm. It's the social interaction, the small talk, the uh, the connection, relational connection part of it that's that's harder for fives. Okay. So and, are most fives introverts? You think? Uh, no, I've actually experienced some extroverted fives, but that's a subtype of a five. Okay. It's, so each type has its own flavor, and there can be extroverted okay. subtypes. Or Interesting. Fives. Yeah, that's the the key thing would be: Are you motivated to take care of yourself, and do you get so much energy from researching information? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Then you're probably still a five. <laughs> gotcha. And that you bring up a good point, though. Each type can be introverted or extroverted. I was wondering about that because mm -hmm. I've done a lot of, you know, reading up on introversion, extroversion. And mm -hmm. Susan Cain wrote a really good book called oh, quiet, quiet, and yeah. I am quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was one of the you mentioned earlier, like. And I encountered the Enneagram, and all of a sudden, everything made sense to me. When I read that book about eight years ago, I was like, I get it. Oh, this is me. I understand so much more about myself than I had. And um, so I was wondering about that. Like, are most nines introverts? Are most, you know, threes extroverts? But it can be. It can be. Both. It can be anything. And I'll just quick uh, describe me. I associate most with the three. They're known as also the performers. You know, oh, give them a microphone. So you think extrovert, can, right? You think. Uh, I get a lot of my energy from recharging by myself okay. and being out in nature. And which is kind of mm -hmm. to Susan Cain's point mm -hmm. is that it's not necessarily how much you like talking to people and getting up in front of people. It's how do you recharge? How do you recharge? Yes. What do you need when you need to get back to that good place? Exactly. Um, is it yep. being around people or is it being by yourself? And what it, for me, what am I talking about? So I could talk about personal development, self-awareness, these yeah. types of tools all day long. But if you put me in front of a networking group and just said, talk about the social impact of what, it, and I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> it would be hard. It just wouldn't be where I get my energy. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've just recognized that about myself. And so I would consider myself an introverted extrovert. Okay. So, yep. All right, moving around, type six. Uh, type sixes are loyalists. They are, they are more of a collaborative team player. Um, they value the security that comes from having people around them that they can trust. And of all the types, this type is most likely to look for an external authority figure that they can go to and say, am I okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the reason being sixes have this gift, this natural energy around thinking through what could possibly go wrong. Oh. So they're constantly coming up with questions in their own head, like what if and what about and have we thought about. Yeah. That's just natural to them. Yeah. So they're great planners, project managers, um, 
auditors, you know, it's like, okay, have we thought about this? Or let's maybe look at it from a different angle. I've worked with, as you say this, I've worked with a couple of sixes, Mm -hmm. and sometimes Mm -hmm. it is exhausting. Not for them. To be the recipient (laughs) of those scenarios. Right. right. Well, we can't plan for everything. Right. (laughs) You know? Well, that's, that's so then we'll go to giant spots and blind spots. Um, So sixes do also come uh, with a lot of self-doubt because they can see everything that could go wrong. This is scary, right? So they want to go to some other thing outside of themselves and say, am I going to be okay? Uh It could be a person. It could be a family member. It could be an institution like the church. Uh, It can also be the CDC guidelines during COVID. I mean, like, where's the truth? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But they are one of the most visibly anxious types. Okay. They're just kind of always hypervigilant, mm-hmm. which goes to their blind spot. They are going to overplan, come up with plan A to Z. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure, we can't move ahead until we have everything locked down. And I coached a six one time, and I, she goes, I do. I have plan A to Z. And I said, what if you just had, like, plan A to H? Let, let's just hypothetical. Which is a lot more than what most people would Right. Have. I was going to go to C, but I thought for her I'm going to need to go to H. <laughs> yeah. And her eyeballs just got really big, and she's like, I don't think like that and I said I know so this is our brain getting into its own repetitive thought patterns and I was just like let's just challenge that a little bit and could you go to H and have more capacity and she it was just fascinating she never considered it and so that's an example of your coaching where you're taking people just a little outside their comfort Mm -hmm. zone right Mm -hmm. to help them understand those blind spots and understand that they can still be you know who they are, Absolutely. but You're not not, change. not to the extent right, right that right. maybe they tend to function as. Yep. Yeah. So we just guide their energy. Is it giving you excitement, anticipation, and just a little bit of happy fear? Right. Like I'm, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard, but I'm not scared of it. Yeah. Okay, then do it. Is it keeping you completely stuck, fear heavy, mm-hmm. or exhausted? Yes. Okay, then it's probably not coming from the best part of yourself. Yeah. And how can you challenge yeah. your own thoughts? Sevens are the eternal optimists. Um, they they literally are wired in their DNA for optimism and adventure, and they, they bring energy into a room. You'll notice they're mm-hmm. just like, you guys, I thought about this great thing last night. I can't even wait to tell you. Now, threes can do that too, but sevens get excited about everything. Threes are going to get excited about what they want to get excited mm-hmm. about. Um, my husband's a seven. He, he just has this natural, authentic energy for life, and... Uh, so sevens are great at kind of thinking about the next fun thing to do. Um, they probably are the type that likes to check out the new restaurants, get the new equipment, technology, find the new place to visit, you know. So I felt bad for sevens during COVID. They're like a big source of who they are and what they get energy from was completely taken away. Yeah. And that goes into the blind spot of a seven. The sevens are going to need to feel good because they don't like to feel bad. Imagine a type that you're 80 to 90 percent optimist. Right. What do you do with the rest of those feelings? Yeah. You don't want to sit in them for very long. Yeah. So stress sevens will get angry at other people for not being as happy as they are. <laughs> and they'll hear it in their tone. <laughs> Why are you all Debbie Downers and you're raining on my parade and we're going to get through this? And it's like, OK, but right now it kind of sucks. You yeah. Know? And they just don't like to sit there. Yeah. Um, they also tend to start escaping in the sense of, I'm going to start this thing because I thought that would make me happy. Well, it didn't. Okay, I've got to do this thing. and That didn't make me happy either. Uh, not a lot of follow-through on projects. Um, they'll, you know, promise and over-promise and under-deliver. Mm-hmm. A lot of types can do that, but sevens will do that when they're stressed. 
Okay, so I think my best friend might be a seven. <laughs> so now we can just understand each yeah. other in a different way. Like, <laughs> oh, you're not doing this on purpose. You're stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Um, eights, eights are they're a very bold type. Uh, they, they they get a bad rap, quite honestly, because they're probably, if you do the disc, they're probably your very high Ds, dominance, uh, very directive, very take charge mm-hmm. types. Uh, the thing is, is that it's a natural energy for an eight to want to take charge. They don't necessarily want or need to be a leader of people, per se, but they absolutely will take control if they feel like we're not moving ahead and not getting outcomes quickly enough. So eights are driven in their core by a need to bring justice, fairness, and equity to the world by fighting for the underdogs. Well, over the weekend, I was walking home from the farmer's market and I saw a vanity plate and it said Enneagram 8. Oh! And <laughs> yes. do you want to guess what kind of car that person was driving? I have no idea. It was a Jaguar. I was going to say Mercedes. It but... was very nice. <laughs> so this is the thing. So what does that person want the um, world to know about himself or herself? I don't, I didn't see the driver, but. the At the core, eights know exactly who they are and they don't care what other people think. It's very confident. Very, they just... You know, I'm kind of envious, like they at the core just are like, this is what it is. And I've got work to do to save the world. So you're either with me or you're against me. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much like that. Now, I want to also point out not all eights are like they need that level of look at me um, or I have this type of car. And this is where each type is. There's nuances because I was I would read about threes and it was like they have to have the Gucci bags and the whatever and I'm like that is I'm a farm girl I yeah. don't care yeah. but I do want to look a certain way I just don't need the name brands mm-hmm. so this is where I love and hate Instagram because it gives you just a little flavor of each of these types but it may not be the full the sure. fullness of each type sure um, but eights really do change the world. Um, I like to think of them as the megaphones saying this is not right and no one else is listening because these other types are either speaking up very softly or they're not speaking up at all. But they're oppressed, they're marginalized, and eights will go to bat and say no more. So I voted this morning in the primary Mm -hmm. election. And do you think a lot of the people on the ballot might be eights? Because it's so hard to tell. (laughs) See, now I'm pigeonholing people. (laughs) You know, but when you say they're the people that stand up and they want justice and they'll speak out that's so a politician right this for me goes back to any healthy type will speak out for what they care about true the healthier they are the more they're like i know who i am and this is what i'm here to do uh, so as a three i'm now speaking out about emotional landscapes and that unless you manage that part of yourself you can be as professional and productive as you want you will hit a wall yeah <laughs> i never thought i'd be sitting on a podcast talking about emotions but this is part of my type and what I care about. So. Yeah. Uh, so eights, it just it depends on what they care about. Threes could be good politicians. I think Obama was a nine, if I had to guess. Um, so yeah, I don't think that is type specific. Yeah. Okay. But going back to nines, which you relate to most. I am a nine. Oh, let me back up. I don't think I talked about eights' biggest fear. Oh, you didn't. So eights show up bold because they have energy in that sense of power and strength that they naturally have. So what their biggest fear is, is being weak and vulnerable. Okay. They don't want to get vulnerable because vulnerability equals weakness. Gotcha. So how do you really get to know a type that's just going to show up bold all the time, but they're saving the world, Mm -hmm. 
but they may not have anybody with them unless they can tap into that vulnerable side and show their softness. They fear they're going to be betrayed. And so that, again, that tightrope of, I value connection. I know I need to bring people with me. But when push comes to shove and my stress shows up, I'm going to double down and bulldoze. And so how do you keep relationships in that sense? Yeah. Every type has attention. All right, nines are at the top of this nine-typed model because they can see every other type's perspective clearly. Like they could have taught this course. They're like, yeah, I get twos and I get threes and eights. I get, yeah, I can see where they're coming from. So nine's greatest gift is their ability to bring all the voices to the table mm-hmm. and say, I want to hear from you and I want to hear from you. And now let, here's where I see that we have common ground. So they're, they're looking to diffuse conflict through mediation. Mm-hmm. It's a gift of theirs. On the flip side, their biggest fear is conflict. Yeah. <laughs> that even that hint of escalation, like, oh, we're not getting along. Oh, there's something. Uh, they don't agree with each other. That it, It's like a visceral reaction to a nine. Yeah. And yet that's their space where they can show up in their healthiest and move the world. Yeah. They just, they fear it. And so there's their internal tension. So I, so when I took this assessment a month ago, I was a nine with a really close four and a two. So I was all the empathy absorbers. All the empathy types, yep. And uh, I know that about myself. But this morning I have one of these journals where it's like a question a day mm-hmm. and then it's for three years. And so I love the, I've done these for a long time. And so then every year it's like so cool to see what my answers were to the previous years. Mm-hmm. But today, um, and I have started a new one. So today's question was most memorable disagreements. Mm. Do you want to know how hard it was for me to come up with any? Wow. Any? Or I thought you were going to say many. <laughs> uh, well, I, I was able to come up with three because mm-hmm. all it asked for were, you know, your three most memorable disagreements. But I sat there a while and I was like, mm-hmm. I am a nine. This is possibly <laughs> where that blind spot <laughs> that blind spot is coming out. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that was interesting because like you said earlier, like with your parking meter mm-hmm. story and my, you know, daily question story, when you are self-aware, you start to recognize, oh, this is why it's hard for me to, in this moment, you know, come up with three disagreements or take the time to figure out this app and maybe be a couple minutes late to the podcast. And, and blame so. the entire city of Des Moines for ruining my whole day, right? <laughs> it's like, that is not true. <laughs> However, this was not what I expected or planned for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. I did take an Enneagram assessment maybe six months ago, and I thought maybe my four came out ahead of my nine. I'm very close on those. So that would be my other question mm-hmm. is, do you fluctuate? I mean, yeah. I'm never going to come out as an eight yeah. or a three. Like, I, I don't think so. Yeah, because you, know, you, you can't change who you are. Right, but I feel like my four and my nine are always like kind of neck and neck. So that is because um, they both relate to the world in terms of connection, deep connection. Okay. Both four and nine crave deep connection. So um I was actually just reading the other day that uh, nines can mistype as fours, but it's rare that a four would mistype as a nine. Okay. Uh, so I, again, as I take people through their personal journeys, this yeah. is where we really uncover, okay, I'm, I, like this one, but not this one. And we kind of go to the optometrist and I'm like, well, what about this lens? And what about yeah. this? But I really want to get people to their core number because one of the questions was, how do I coach to this? When you figure out your starting point, you're connected to five other types. So that's why it's important to know what they care about. And you're gonna zing over to these other types when you're stressed and when you're at your best. 
So this is I've, everybody that I've worked with. Everybody, they're like the six. I'm I'm normal. <laughs> I sometimes feel like I'm going crazy or I'm schizophrenic. I'm like, nope. You're just you're following these very predictable patterns. Yeah. You just didn't have a language for that until now. Yeah. And now they look at other people and like I don't have to be like that other person. Mm-hmm. I just have to get better at managing my own. Yeah. Code. Yeah. And that's freeing. So in your coaching, I'm going to go through the coaching in July. I'm very excited about it. But what can people expect if they coach with you? Yep. Uh, so I, I start with wherever they're at. So some people really have done a lot of Enneagram work. Some people don't even know how to pronounce it yet. Mm-hmm. If The less they know, the more education I provide. Okay. So uh, this first session will be more educational. Let's get to know all these types. And then let's start to figure out, well, which ones are closest to you based on your assessment. And so they take the assessment before yep. your first meeting. Yep. They bring those results to yep. the meeting or you see them before the meeting. Yep. And then I just like to keep walking them through the journey. I'm like, well, if you were this type, then you'd care more about this than this. Well, I don't know yet. Okay, then you, so we just keep going. I, I give a bunch of different lenses. Once we get to core type, there's a 10-page document for each type that uncovers everything. Okay. Including probably as a child, you started to pick up these mechanisms like this, this, and this. And now in relationships, here's how it's showing up. At work, here's how it's showing up. So they really just get to engage personally like mm-hmm. just go off and be by yourself and see if this is true for you but then we come back and say okay if this is true this is data and in the workplace we talk about data-driven decisions so how can you use this data to really walk into the best version of your life whether it's at home and relationships or whatever and in coaching wherever the person wants to start that's where we start okay so they don't have to just use it at work but if they use it to become better, it's going to drift over into better work, better relationships, better outcomes. Yeah. So do you have siblings? Yes. Do you, have you kind of typed all your siblings? I for sure have typed my oldest sister. So I have four siblings. The oldest sister is more like me. And then the second sister and younger brother are more like. Okay. But my sister and I, where we're different, we're different. And I'm like, okay. So she ended up being an eight and I'm a three. Okay. Both have really aggressive, future-focused, efficient energy mm-hmm. outcomes. You know. But she's much more willing to pick a fight, you know, and dive in and just go there. And I'm more of a people person, high D, high I. So I'm like, I feel strongly about my opinions, but I definitely want to hear more about what other people have to say because I want to influence the outcome. Yeah, I don't want to direct the outcome. Yeah. I'm just curious. I asked you if you had siblings because I just wonder, you know, if a lot of these traits are developed at a young age, is it kind of the nature versus nurture thing? You know, are you born a certain way or are you because of your environment and your life circumstances, your family dynamic, do you kind of evolve into some of these traits? Uh, So that actually goes to a question you had posed to me. Um, You know, what do you like about this model or tell me about it? So the basis of the Enneagram, the history goes way back and it kind of started in the spiritual realm so that's why I think it has kind of not been looked at from a corporate perspective because, well, it started with spiritual yeah. leaders. Um, but where it really gained traction in America is when it came here in the 70s and it got overlaid with psychology. Okay. And so if we look at what is psychology, it's now the science of people's mental characteristics and attitudes, which is you know, like EFR, yeah. like mental wellness. Yeah. This is when, in America, the Enneagram moved from seven types to nine Actually, I don't know that for sure. I don't know when it moved from seven to nine, but it started off as seven, okay. and they were most closely uh, aligned to the seven deadly sins. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. 
but then it got mixed with psychology and now it's nine types and they kept layering on different models. So what one, when they were, when there were seven types, you know, was it one through seven and they added eight and nine or did they come up with a whole new labeling for the, the nine that they landed on? Um, nine has always been sloth. I mean, oh, I, I'm sorry, type nine has always been. Okay. Um, they originally did not have types three or six in, okay. the, in the seven deadly sin model. So, and so this I'm is, a sloth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't even there. So now I'm like, what? Did I not read? Or? <laughs> I didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, um, but kind of where I'm going with the model, how I you know, use it in corporate is this model is extremely accurate talking about people's predictable stress patterns. Now, it's kind of painful to see on paper how you act under stress if you're not prepared for that. Uh-huh. So it's a little vulnerable. But I think the other, the other thing we're talking about in the workplace is how do you show up authentic in the workplace? Well, you admit that certain things stress you out. And then you get the opportunity to work through your own discomfort to become the better version of you. So it's, it's each of our own personal energies that we're bringing into the workplace that contributes to the culture. And then I say that COVID isn't the only thing that's contagious. Right, yeah. <laughs> I long ago heard attitudes are contagious. Yep. Because yours were catching. And then, you know, think about the attitude of the people that you associate with. Yep. If you want to catch their attitudes. I love that. Uh, what about people who lack some self-awareness? I mean, everyone lacks a certain mm-hmm. amount of self-awareness, but I know people who lack mm-hmm. more self-awareness than others, right? Yep. So when someone's taking an assessment like this, do you think they can mistype themselves mm-hmm. by just wanting to be a certain way or they have no idea that this is really how they are and they just don't see themselves that way? So mistyping, I guess, is my question. You know, yeah. people mistype themselves. I've actually heard, I've been involved in Enneagram for four years now and I went, I listened to podcast books, everything. Even experts have mistyped themselves for years. Okay. So knowing that and knowing it's not a clear cut you take the test, you're this, right? Mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of personal analysis because I typed high on three, seven, and eight. They're all very forward focused, you know, future progress and outcomes. But when I really read through them, I'm like, ooh, three, three is me. Okay. So then knowing that I get along well with sevens and eights, I've just got to manage my own energy. Going back to self-awareness, it's a journey. It's a journey for everybody. I would say you're not going to get to um, a place of peace and freedom in life if you don't take that journey. You'll be very productive and you might be very professional, but you're gonna be missing a huge component of your emotional landscape. And we don't offer a lot of training for that. Yeah. Um, I would say probably people are like, well, that's what the church is for, you know, and I don't see a lot of training there either. Right. So this model to me is helpful to just take it out of all those environments, make it personal to you, and then say, where do you want to, where are you starting and where do you want to get to? Yeah. Well, this has been such great information and I think it's a good lead in for people who want to learn more, whether it's um, going through EFR and using the trainings that we're offering um, through our course catalog that you're facilitating, or if they want to go directly to you and start coaching, uh, you're doing our webinar in July. So for those listening, if you want to learn more about Enneagram, if you go to EFR.org under the Stay Connected menu, click on webinars, you can sign up for the webinar. If you don't make it to the live viewing, we always keep the recorded versions on our website as well. 
And then um, I'll link to your contact information sure. or your your personal uh, website, which just give our listeners the URL so they can hear it mm-hmm. in case they're not looking at the show notes. Yeah, you bet. Um, my website is cilifecoach.com. And then my, I'm on Facebook and I'm also on LinkedIn. All right, cilifecoach.com. Thank you so much for your time today, Barb. This Thank was a you. great conversation. And I'm really excited to work with you in July and yes, learn more about my too. shine spots and my blind spots. So, And I hope you don't have a parking ticket. Um, if I do, I'll pay the fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Emotion Well. Please subscribe to us and don't forget to rate us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Emotion Well is hosted by Johanna Dunlevy and produced by Emily Wonkamp.